Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 29 of Outdoors with MSA with your host, Anthony Jones, and myself, John Abernathy. We are so happy to see you guys again, mainly because I did not die of COVID. It wasn't <laughs> half as bad as I thought it was going to be, and uh, right. we're still kicking. Yeah. Know some of you wished otherwise. No, oh, man, I don't know about all that. I'm just it's, glad that you're healthy, man. It's an inside joke. Right. Whoever, whoever that was meant for, will see it and they'll know. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm just happy that you're good. It's like for the last two months, it's been nothing but sickness. Either my family or yours. It's been insane, dude. Yeah. We got some big things to discuss today, though. Got a good special guest coming in. Oh yeah. But uh, oh, John Raymond's got the Rona now. Oh, buddy, I hope you get to feeling better. Right. Hey, if you're the praying type, uh, John had to put his dog down the other day. Been his family for like 15 years, so say a prayer for John's family. You know, that's 15 years. That's family, you know. And nothing's worse than losing a dog. So, uh, but anyways, we got a lot to discuss. One. Mean you were going to be at the NWTF convention February 19th in the Fox Trot Ammo booth. I'm freaking stoked. I can't wait to see Bryce, talk to Bryce. But not just that, but we're going to go around and, uh, you know, we're going to interview other booths, you know, talk. It's going to be a good time. Now, that'll I'm probably be an episode that we don't do live. We'll probably not. pre-record that one and then piece all of them together and put it out at a different time. Yeah, uh, because if we did it live, I think one the background noise would drown us out because we're not fancy enough to have the little mics and everything. <laughs> we'll um, get there. So we got to figure out what we're gonna do with that. But yeah, uh, yeah, dude, that that's gonna be awesome. That's gonna be a good time. Can't wait for that. Well, I'm just excited to go around to the different booths. I mean, a lot of the people I've never talked to before. Uh, and just hear different tips and, and tricks to turkey hunt. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's something real special when you get to pick the minds of thousands of other people who are out there doing the same thing that you love. Oh, dude, I just love the networking. Right. Well, <clears throat> it does great. You know, it is a great opportunity for, for our podcast plus our nonprofit, too. Yeah. So, and if you're a veteran or first responder watching this and you don't know about Outdoors with MSA, it's a spinoff of our Nonprofit, we use it as another outreach to vets and first responders uh, to provide hunting and fishing trips for you guys. Yeah, man. I'm so, I'm so, I'm using a laptop today, which is the first time ever. So everything is totally different than what it would be on my phone. Yeah. But I'll let you touch all the buttons and stuff because I'll mess yeah. it up. I'm just not tech savvy. But, anyways, we're doing a gun raffle right now. Two different firearms, $25 a piece uh, per ticket, or five for 100 And all this money that we raise is going to go to provide veterans and first responders uh, turkey hunts across the country with outfitters. Uh, you can pay via PayPal. You can pay via Cash App. You can pay with cash if you can meet me or John. Uh, and they're super nice guns, man. Fox Trot Ammo donated over under TriStar 12-gauge. Outfitted, uh, Indian Creek donated the chokes for it. Meadow Creek donated the mounts. Burst Fast Fire three red dots. So Burst Fast Fire uh, donated their red dots. Fox Trot Ammo's uh, donating uh, the shells. And Appalachian Custom Calls is fronting some mouth calls. And uh, so it's a great opportunity for you to to win either a shotgun or a really nice six hour M seventeen nine millimeter. Yeah. If you need a turkey gun, what better way? I mean, you $25 and win a $1,500 worth of a gun, you know? So, and that's counting the chokes and stuff. So, it's oh, like yeah. $1,500 worth of product right there alone. Yeah, man. I mean, one, four good calls. Two, yep. it's great products. And three, Absolutely. you're going to spend that money on stupid shit anyway. Spend it on yeah. us. Like dip and cigarettes. Who that's needs that? that? That's essential. <laughs> I don't know. 
deal with Dave, some people in my life. Dude, I thought I hit the lottery the other day. So I went to the gas station. I, I'm a subscriber to Skull, so every couple months I'll send, you know, coupons. So I got like a dollar fifty off a can. And then they had a promo going on inside the store for the same kind of dip I got with a dollar fifty off. I got my I got two cans of dip, man, for, for two dollars. I was so excited. Nice. So, yeah, it's like winning the lottery. Speaking of stuff that'll kill you, what what's this I'm hearing about the lawsuit out at Camp Lejeune about the drinking water? Oh, dude, that's been going on since like the seventies or eighties, I think. Uh, <laughs> I just heard about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know the full background story to it, but I reckon there's some pretty bad stuff in the water, and it's it's caused some pretty bad stuff. Uh, I'd have to research it more to talk about it. So okay, I didn't know. I just heard about it the other day on the radio, and I was like, oh. They need to check the water out there at 29 Palms. Uh, they just need to check you Marines in general. Uh, well, that's no doubt about that. So turkey season's coming up, but another big thing is, you know, right now it's trapping season. And, man, I've been trapping my butt off. I should have I posted some pictures in here so we could show them up. But I uh, caught two big bobcats so far. I've caught four coons. I'm wearing them out, man. And I mean, if you're a big time turkey hunter or deer hunter, trapping is essential. And why is that? Well, I mean, you want to knock out your nest predators. Like 48% of the cone or 48% of the turkey nests here in the South just get hammered by coons. And that's not counting the possums, the armadillos, hogs, bobcats, coyotes, crows that are also going out. I mean, for a, a, a poult, for a hen to hatch a successful nest, and for you to notice a population to stay steady, she needs to, you know, at least have like three poults per nest survive. And right now we're floating somewhere around like the 1.4, which is horrible. And uh, so you going out trapping for bobcats, coyotes, fox, coons, what you're doing is just increasing. Uh, you know, nest survival. That's the plan and that's the hope. You know, uh, we can attest that on the lease, dude, we've had tons of turkey pitchers. You know, at least during the summer, early fall. Every it's like a lot of, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing but turkeys. And that, I mean, that's from trapping, you know. Uh, I think total coons I've trapped off this lease and I started trapping February last year, so it's not been a full year yet. I'm somewhere around 25 coons. You know, it's pretty good. And two bobcats. Never caught a bobcat before. That first bobcat looked like it. Dude, scared the crap out of me, man. Uh, There's nothing freakier than walking through the woods with a flashlight on your cell phone because you leave your flashlight at home. And coming around a corner and there's a giant bobcat sitting right there like what's up bro <laughs> you know so uh what it was a lot bigger really than like if that thing really wanted out it could have got out yeah it was a toe catch which scared the crap out of me when i finally dispatched him and i realized it was just hanging by his toes you know that's not what you want you want a full paw or, and uh really secure him in there so i'm glad that you called me and told me that you know hey he's on the cell cam you should go out there. If I wouldn't have went out there, he probably wouldn't have been there in the morning when I went. There's no doubt about that. He would have lived to see another day. He weighed 27 pounds, so which is huge, huge for a bobcat. What are you uh, going to do with the uh, So I uh, sent it to a taxidermist. He stretched it, fleshed it, and uh, so I'm sending it off to Wisconsin to have a super trooper hat made for my wife. So, or what, what some of us folks around here would call a trapper's hat. You know, it's got the fur to come down around the ears, but they call them super troopers up there. Nice. So, you know, oh, yeah. So, and, you know, I'm about to wrap up trapping on the lease here in about a week. Focus on another property behind the house. Because it's really hurting. The, the turkeys just ain't as plentiful as they was a couple years ago. Uh, so now I'm going to start corning, sunflower seeding it, 
and getting it ready for opening day so I can take you turkey on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, man. Let's see yeah. who this is all about. Right. I like your orange hoodie, dude. It looks legit. Yeah, it's nice. It's big. It's comfy. Yeah, I need... I, my wife ordered me one. I'm waiting for it to come in the mail. So, can't wait to try it out. I'll probably wear it at the convention. My turkey flame shirt came in too. I'm happy about that. Oh, dude, best shirts out there. Huge yeah. thank you to Ginger and David from uh, Really Designs. Yeah, they look good. They look really yeah. good. Yeah, no doubt, man. Speaking so, uh, sponsors, you want to run through them real quick? Absolutely. Appalachian Custom Calls, that uh, owned company out of East Tennessee. If you're looking for, uh, Extremely affordable math calls and pot calls. Uh, Jonathan Schultz, who to go with. Uh, $6 a math call. I think it's like $40 uh, for a pot call. And if you're a veteran or first responder, you do get a discount. Uh, you know, just make sure you set in the thing that you're a vet. And super good guy. Camo Dust. Chris Parnell. Uh, you know, we can't say enough about his stuff. I'm excited to wear it again next year. It's going to be a good time. Hopefully, I can put meat in the freezer this time instead of being too picky during the early bow season. Oh, if you've not had a chance to go to Veteran Innovative Products Facebook page, you need to do it. They released some incredible broadheads at the ATA show just a couple weeks ago. They got two new turkey broadheads, the Guillotine X and uh, the Guillotine. One of them is uh, fixed blade, and the other one is uh, expandable. And, and he also came out with his new three blade. He improved the two blade. Uh, and I think he redid the Combat Veteran. Uh, super, super amazing products. I can't wait to go out in the field with them uh, this spring and this fall. Brass, man. Uh, what more can I say about it? Super good guy. If you're looking for TSS, which is the top of the line ammunition for duck hunting, turkey hunting, predator hunting. You can use it for hogs. You can use it on deer. Uh, you know, he sells shot from the size two all the way to nine. And uh, man, it's incredible stuff. <laughs> I went out of order. Uh, Just because. It's okay. Old Indian Tricks LLC, Dan DeWitt. Hey, he's coming on today to talk about turkeys. And I can't wait. If you he's haven't watched an episode with Dan DeWitt yet, you're missing out. Because the man is just dropping knowledge bombs left and right. Yep. And so he's going to come out with some really good knowledge today about turkeys. Especially, you know, I don't want to go in too much because he's fixing to come in. And uh, and I, I want him to be able to talk. Nice camo sprout, bro. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, uh, Old Indian Tricks LLC, man, they're uh, synthetic scents. A lot of states don't allow uh, natural urines, uh, and they're going towards synthetic scents. What's so great about Coz's Rookham Juice, his Cooter Juice, his Seymour Deer, is that, you know, synthetic scents stay in the ground longer. They stay longer, whereas a natural urine base, it starts going away. Almost immediately. Uh, it doesn't stay there long. So the synthetic sense of Cousins Rookham juice and Cooter juice, it stays in the ground. It's going to keep them deer coming in, checking them scrapes every day. So it, uh, super good stuff. You ought to check them out. He also does veteran and first responder uh, uh, discounts. Yep, he did it just because of our show. And uh, we're incredibly thankful for. I mean, all the sponsors are huge, but Dan has been huge just for me personally. Right. I can't say enough about the guy. So I've been studying the calendar a little bit, and I'm wanting to come to Georgia and turkey hunt. And uh, so you got some good WMAs up in your area that are actually really good for turkey hunting. I've been looking at the harvest numbers. Uh, Georgia moved their season back. So their season opens the same time that ours does here in Tennessee. Okay. But they delayed their WMAs. So none of their WMAs open up until uh, April 9th, I think is what it is. 
So uh, I think after you come up here and hunt with me, I think I'm going to come down there. And maybe me and you can go run after the mountain gobblers, man. Yeah. Get on them. I know how to hunt them. We just got to find them. So, yeah, I'm excited. I, I, you know, I've never turkey hunted Georgia. I've always wanted to. Uh, so I, I look forward to it. Yeah, it should be a good time, man. Yeah, no doubt. It, uh, did you send the invite to Dan? I uh, can. Yeah, might as well. Let's get him in here. Let's, let's let the man talk. Let the, let the man preach. So, but, uh, anyways, so as I was saying, I'm, I'm going to Florida April 5th and yeah. coming back yeah. the 7th. Yep. That'll complete my slam. Uh, a lot of people don't know Tad, but Tad was one of the founders of our organization, <laughs> me and John and, uh, Keith and David. And so me and him started a slam in 2018. We started that in Kansas, uh, Tad passed away before we could go kill our Mariam. So I went out to uh, Wyoming, killed my Mariam for him. So now we're coming to Florida. I'm going to complete the slam in his honor. I'm going to start it all over again. Uh, I think I'm going to Kentucky April 15th. And then uh, I'm going to come to Georgia, somewhere in between there. So, and then uh, Ian is coming down, which uh, Ian is our Michigan chapter captain and our board secretary. Uh, so I'm excited to have him come back down. Maybe we can do another podcast where it's me, him, and you in the podcast, and we just talk the stuff, man. Yeah. So, I'm a, yeah. I'm going to text Dan and let him know that the podcast invite was sent from, from you. So what you been into that since you've been down with COVID, man? Oh, let's see. Finished Yellowstone. Uh, started on good this show. new show called Mayor of Kingstown. Any good? Uh, I watched one episode. It's uh, it's looking like it might be all right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, watched that 1883, you know, the spinoff of Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, not uh, bad. I actually kind of like it. Not bad. It it's definitely a little more slower paced. Yeah, I don't like that they've delayed it week to week. I don't like that part. Yeah. My wife's got me hooked on this show called Outlander. Have you ever watched it? No, I've seen it, but I haven't. I mean, I've I've seen it on the the streaming shit, but I ain't actually yeah. watched it. You should watch it. It's actually pretty good. I can't. The next season comes out next month. I think. Maybe in March. It's a pretty good show. So, but uh, what well, did you find your boat yet? You did. You you want me to just get off the podcast now? You trying <laughs> to make me mad today? No. The boat I wanted about four years ago was like $25,000. Right. The same boat. Maybe a model year newer is now going for forty thousand dollars. This oh, wow. shit is ridiculous. Like it's out it's of inflation, this. man. So I don't know, man. Like I, I know me and you were looking at John boats there for a while, and mm -hmm. like, just get something to get out. But once right. I start looking at boats, I'm like, well, I actually want this, and I want this. So I start looking at center console, bay boats, uh, pontoon boats. I love. A center console, but I'm not paying 45 grand for a center console. So I found one in Chattanooga that a guy was willing to trade stuff for, but mm -hmm. he uh, he just didn't get like he he sent like that that cryptic but not let me not get banned from Facebook. But I, I like boom booms. So I was like, I got all kinds <laughs> of boom booms. So can you be a little more specific? And he never answered <laughs> so. Right, I must not been in a hurry to sell it. I don't know, but you know, I'm well, I think I'm just gonna push for a John boat. Yeah, I mean, it'll suit my needs. I just want to get out on the Tennessee River, throw some jugs out, go down river, drink a couple beers, wait for the jugs to come. If I want to get out on a boat this year, that, that's probably gonna be my route too, unless I can convince the wife to take out another loan. Ah, uh, dude, 
Well, get the sweet talking, dude. My sweet talking ain't been good lately. Oh, you better step your game up, man. Yeah, dude, just like I do, and I just tell my wife I'm going to do it. <laughs> she don't hear yeah. from me, though, when she wants to go do things. I will say that. Well, you know. The thing is, so I went and talked to the guy down there at one of the boat dealerships, and yeah. uh, he was like, yeah, because a boat's a leisure vehicle, right? So it's like a leisure loan. So RVs, boats, four-wheelers, they're all right. considered leisure vehicles which means when you go to get the loan, your credit score has to be higher than it normally would for, say, a car or a house because a right. car and a house are the things you're going to pay on first because that's how you make your money and where you live. Right. So I was like, okay, well, what's your credit score got to be to get the good interest rate and everything on a boat? He's like, 750. I was like, all right. So I went and I got on credit card and I was looking up my score. 740. <laughs> I was like, come on, oh, man. <laughs> 10 points, dude. It's a really good credit score, though, man. It's better you know. than what it was after I got out of the military. Right. That same problem here, dude. Uh, it took me forever to recover. Finally did. Got our house. Special right. guests. Yeah. Are we live? You want to bring him in? We there are live. Well, hello, there's, live. There, there's the man, the myth, the bearded legend, Dan DeWitt. You got your bears out running mine, brother. <laughs> I don't know about that, Dan. How you doing? Man, I'm blessed to be here. I appreciate y'all having me on today. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. What a better way to kick off the new year than have Dan DeWitt come in. Oh, I'm telling you. So, I like that hat. I need to get me one so I can start wearing it on the podcast. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, anyways, Dan, we're talking turkeys today. I mean, we've really talked about a number of things. But the primary focus was supposed to be turkeys. So, my question for you is... If you're a person who wants to explore different states, we'll say uh, Tennessee. And so you've looked up the licenses, you're going to purchase your license. What is some of the stuff that you're going to look for as far as where you want to go turkey hunting, whether oh, it's an outdoor or public land? Oh, you saw about public land? I thought you were talking about what's going to find out who's got the best governor so I can go with them. Oh, that'd be cool. We do have a oh, governor's house. Um, it's kind of like anything. You just got to get out there and do a little homework. And mm -hmm. now with all the data is available, um, you can go online and see where the turkeys were actually, you know, shot on public land last year. Yep. Um, the good and the bad about that is the heavily hunted places or the heavily killed places, you're going to have, they're going to be heavily hunted. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, Heavily hunted doesn't scare me because I hunt a different style than most people. I'm not right. chasing them off the roost. I love to hear them gobble on the roost, but I I, I hunt more of a midday type hunt myself. But okay. you just got to get out there and go scout. It, it, it never stops being a game of scouting. I don't care if you deer hunt, turkey hunting, fox hunting, it don't matter. You got to go look for the game. That's You got to go look for them. And yeah. then go find the sign. And when you start finding sign, you know, I don't want to go hunt where I don't find no sign. Yeah. Do you? Right. No. No, no, no. No, I do that enough. I, I don't need to make it any harder on myself. Yeah. Oh, I know. It, it, and, and I've been very blessed. I've got to shoot turkeys in 32 states. Uh, nice. Hopefully, I'm going to add a few more to that this year up in the northeast. i got to go get a lot of those northeast states I hadn't got yet. But at the same time, when we get up there um, – I got a guy invited me up to the Adirondacks or ever how you say that up there in the mountains this year. Uh, I've done a lot of mountain hunting out west. I'm going to take those techniques to the to the east, and we're going to see if those techniques will work. And uh, just uh, there again, you got to go wear out the boot leather to kill turkeys. Yeah, their mountains are a lot similar to the mountains that we have in East Tennessee. You know, it's it's all part of the Appalachians, but. Uh, I'm excited. So my question, well, you brought up a good point. You know, you said uh, where most of your birds are harvested on public land is heavily pressured. How would you hunt a heavily pressured public land? First of all, keep your call in your pocket for the most part. Most people, as you know, <laughs> call on public land. They just yeah. do. Everybody, yeah. I think people... Once they figure out how to make some great sounds on a turkey call, and believe me, I'm not one of those guys. Uh, I think just being realistic when you're calling, being very, 
I think the shy bird gets the tom. Uh, yeah. Very seldom, except, well, there's been places out in um, Texas and places like that where you can just get super aggressive calling turkeys, but, man, yeah. I'm telling you, just the, the least is best, or it, it, it always has been for me. Every now and then you find a bird you can really fire up and get, get all cut and cackly with, but that's just not my style. Right. Yeah, I've noticed when I went out to hunt states like Kansas and Wyoming, you can be a great. You can call them literally to your gun. Sure. You, you, know. you can be calling when they're 40 yards running to you. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I've noticed here in Tennessee, I, I learned an old trick from a guy named Randall Haley on Facebook, big-time turkey hunter. And uh, what I do is when I sit down, when I find my bird, you know, I'll try to get him within a range. I feel as good, usually within 50, 60 yards. I'll make a pile of leaves right beside me. The and I'll scratch the, yeah, I'll scratch the leaves, mimicking a turkey feeding. And I've killed more birds like that than I have with anything else, really. One of the best turkey hunters I've ever known in my life, he was probably in his 80s when I was in my 20s, and that's 40-something years ago. Oh, wow. Um, he taught me something that I've just carried with me for the last, this will be my 48th year to turkey hunt. Okay. That's crazy. So that doesn't make me special or better than anybody. I've just been failing longer than everybody else. <laughs> uh, but it's true. You know, believe me, I've screwed up more good turkey hunts than anybody ought to be allowed to. But saying that, that old man taught me that a three note yelp mm -hmm. was the most important call. And it's a very seductive call. And you yep. go, no, 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 and scratch those leaves. And I'm telling you, the realism of that, as you well know, oh, yeah. works. Oh, absolutely. And, and all this stage calling, cackling, cutting, and all that stuff, you know, that might work on a good two-year-old bird. And I've had it probably work a couple of times with good mature birds. Yep. But for the most part, the big mature birds are called with less. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. So another good point to hit on, and, and John, if you want to chime in, you're welcome to. Is, hey, John. <laughs> hey, Dad. So, so say you're going out of state. You're going to the Adirondacks, which is what, New York? Yeah. Uh, so are you are you going with an outfitter? Oh, no. We're going, we're going to hit public land up there, believe it or not. Awesome. So if you we're were gonna, gonna hit, if you were gonna go with an outfitter for turkey hunting or deer hunting, what is some of the questions that you would ask them or you would research into before purchasing your hunt with that outfit? To, to see if they're worth the price they're gonna charge you, because as we all know, outfitters have to make their money. Sure. I mean, and believe me, <laughs> being a retired outfitter of thirty-five years, I understand. The question that most people want to know, because this is the only question people do know to ask, is what's your success ratio or yeah. what's the price? Well, yeah. success ratio to me means nothing when I'm asking a guy that, because let's say you come up and say, hey, what's your success ratio? Well, mine's been pretty good, yeah. but I don't know how good you can shoot. I don't know how much you're going to wiggle and move. I don't know anything about you, so you're asking me, to actually get in a crystal ball and figure out exactly what you're going to do. I, I don't know the answer to that question, but a question that I taught a lot of outfitters and a lot of people to ask other outfitters was this. I want three references that came and hunted with you that didn't kill a turkey. Yeah. Because those people, now if a guy comes in and shoots two birds first day or whatever's legal, and he's, he ain't going to do nothing but sing you praises. Right. But if, but if you ask that outfitter for a reference that didn't kill a turkey, and then you talk to that guy, he's going to be honest with you. Yep. Were there turkeys there? Was the uh, room and board like they you know claimed it was going to be? You know, was it a tent? when it was supposed to be the Taj Mahal or was it the Taj Mahal when it's supposed to be the tent? I mean, those are the kind of questions people get real with you when they didn't have success. <clears throat> and the main question I want to know from that guy that didn't have success, did the outfitter advertise appropriately? In other words, were there turkeys there and I screwed it up or the, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? 
just factors out of your control. Weather, weather a factor. There's yeah. so many other things there that the outfitter can't control. Yeah. You know, he Did can't keep miss? birds on his place. Like right. I remember you telling me a story about a bear hunt that you guys. Oh yeah, went my wife and I went to Canada a few years ago on a bear hunt. This guy had a hundred percent till we got there. He'd never not had a client get a bear. Well, the day before we get there, they had a snowstorm. It snowstormed for five days of our seven-day bear hunt. Guess what bears do in that part of Canada when it starts snowing? Hibernate. They go back into hibernation, and guess what? We didn't see a bear. There was only one bear out of 12 bear hunters killed in that camp, and that guy shot it the first day and was lucky. Yeah. But yeah. was that the outfitter's fault? No, I'd recommend anybody go hunt with Jack up in Quebec, Canada, because he runs a great operation. And his guys were up every morning out looking for bait, you know, bears on bait and everything else, and they just couldn't find them because the bears had gone back to hibernation. And that's not the outfitter's fault. Right. So you want to ask good questions to the outfitter, but you want I always want to talk to somebody that went somewhere that didn't have success. And that makes yeah. sense. You know? That definitely makes sense. Yeah. Uh, makes so sense. you don't hunt traditionally for turkeys. You you hunt a little differently. You don't go out there slinging lead like I do. No, I shoot a I shoot a vertical crossbow. Mm -hmm. uh, now I have slung a lot of lead in my time. Don't get me wrong. I've killed turkeys with shot uh, twenty gauges, twelve gauges, ten gauges, recurves, compounds, and now crossbows. Uh, yeah. My favorite. Is shooting them with crossbow. I love the crossbow turkey hunt. It adds a challenge to it. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys, they still want to, you know, I mean, I love to kill turkeys as much as anybody. Don't get me wrong. But to me now, it's the challenge of putting him right there in my face and putting an arrow through him. Um, that's what I love to do. I love to do that. What now, is the part that you aim at on a turkey when you're shooting a crossbow? Because you're not technically, you wouldn't be necessarily aiming for the head or no, do you always aim and for you, but you can get cross you can get broadheads that you can shoot out of crossbows i don't but what i aim for is the hip socket because i don't care what angle that bird is standing in front of me if mm -hmm. i break that leg that thigh bone I've also cut the femoral artery, and it depends on how the broadhead goes through i'm also going to take out his vitals if right. you break the thigh bone he can't go anywhere. You right. anchored that turkey. He's going to bleed out within seconds, and he's not going to fly off. Okay. Or you're going to completely miss him. Right. It, uh, I'm going to try it with a crossbow this year. I think after I'm going to go to Florida, I'm taking my shotgun. And probably the first day or two of the season, I'm going to tote my shotgun, try to get one or two birds. But I think that last bird to kind of – extend my season a little bit i'm gonna carry my crossbow i'm telling you go study the anatomy and i'll send you some pictures but study the anatomy of a turkey right and if you start if you look at his leg and go straight up that leg to that hip joint if you shoot him anywhere in that spot and you've seen videos of me shooting turkeys in that spot Mm -hmm. They don't go anywhere. They, they're, they're, you anchor the bird. He's dead in seconds, and you don't have to get up and chase him. Right. And that's that's my one concern. Do what? Yeah. That's my one concern is having to ch chase a turkey, you know, well, find if, But here's the thing. It don't matter what, if he's strutting in straight to you or if he's <laughs> sideways or butt to you. It don't matter. You've got a thigh shot at that turkey no matter what angle he comes in. And that's why I started going to that that shot because it's to me it's the best shot to make with a bow on a turkey any kind of bow right unless you're shooting the you know chop their head off type broadhead right. i ain't i'm not gonna try to you know hit a diameter of you know a quarter maybe a 50 cent piece with a broadhead you know i'll i'll go with the thigh shot <laughs> i'm telling you it's effective every bird since i really got the focusing on that i've lost zero birds do you run and gun or are you a traditional sit somewhere sit on fresh sign and try the to call birds it? tell me what i'm gonna do yeah the birds That's dictate what i'm gonna do if they're running and gunning we're running and gunning if they're <laughs> coming out to a certain area i'm gonna be set up there comfortable awesome. i'm not opposed to sitting comfortable to kill a turkey I'm not right. opposed to chasing him upside the mountain. I, it don't matter. 
But the one thing I've learned in turkey hunting is I'm going to find or try to figure out where their strut zones are, and I'm going to hunt the strut zone. That's why I don't worry about chasing them off the roost, because typically what happens on a roost hunt, you hear the bird gobble, he flies down, he gets with the hens, and what happens? Shut up. But where's he gone to? Wherever them hens lead him. <laughs> uh, this is why I'm not a turkey hunter. I don't know where they go. I don't know going, what these birds are thinking. If you study turkeys like I have, they've got about five to seven strut zones. They're mm-hmm. going to one of those strut zones, and they may hang out there. And then, but there's no rhyme or reason on how do they go to those strut zones. There's no, there's no bus route, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But there's areas that they're going to, and you just got to figure out where those areas are. And myself, I like to beat them to those areas and get comfortable. They'll come. So on a map, what does a strut zone look like? Because I know uh, you I can't got- tell you that. That's classified oh. information. Oh. <laughs> now really it's, it's not like hunting saddles with deer where there's you know yeah. a really focused place i'm gonna go to look uh because as you well know turkeys are strutting the fields stu- turkeys are strutting the creek bottom turkey turkeys are strut on top of a ridge yep i just look for i go out and scout because if you really pre-season turkeys really they strut a lot they really oh, yeah. really strut a lot yep. so when he's strutting he's gonna do what he's gonna leave drag marks right mm-hmm. yep so if he leaves drag marks and you see him where they're going down the road but then when you see where he starts totally burling you know what i mean where he's spinning yep. around and around yep that's where the action's gonna happen if he's doing that in several places i want to i want to try to set up there or close to there and cut that him off sense. or either call him to that place. Absolutely. But so. now turkeys, they, they like all sorts of sp- spots to strut in because pretty much anywhere during the day, he's going to be blowed up following those hens. But there are specific places they like to go find and set up and strut where hens can see them at a distance. Because you know as well as I do, once he gets those hens bred in the morning, he's going to get vocal again. Yep. And that's when he's most vulnerable. And that probably explains a lot why you hunt more midday than than early morning. I've killed more mature birds from 9 o'clock to 2 o'clock than I have any other time. That's crazy because if I go back and look at all my birds, I've killed more of my birds from 6.30 in the morning to 8.30. But were they mature? I'm talking about inch and a half spur birds, big birds. The closest bird I've ever killed to an inch and a half was an inch and seven sixteenths. Well, that's close enough. <laughs> and I There's killed nothing him wrong as, with that. That's a mature bird. I killed uh, him as soon as he landed off the roost. And I've killed some big birds straight off the roost, had them yeah. fly right to me. Right. Um, I know an old boy, and he's got a brown hat, brown felt hat, and he'll mm-hmm. get close to a roost, and he'll do a fly down cackle. He'll sling that freaking brown hat like a frisbee. Really? Yep. And he's killed a lot of tur- big old turkeys with that technique. Uh, hmm. That's just something I know an old timer does. But, you know, there's, everybody's got their own techniques and their own style. A lot of people yep. kill their turkeys right off the roost because that's all they know how to do. But I, once I learned how to hunt the strut zones and find strut zones and, and, and start really focusing on the real big mature birds. Yeah. It's like hunting a trophy buck. I mean, every deer's a trophy, every turkey's a trophy. Mm-hmm. But when you get start getting that jewelry, which I like, right? You, you know, um, that's for what several, I'm looking for. For several years, I never kept the spurs. Oh, we've all I've made ki- stupid mistakes. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, I've killed 42 turkeys in my life, and I just started collecting the spurs three years ago. So. I, 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 my necklace is not nearly as big as yours. Oh, I don't have much of a necklace. <laughs> yeah, right. I've seen it before, Dan. Which one? <laughs> uh, I don't, well, I'd say you probably wore them all. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I've been I've been blessed to kill a lot of turkeys, but there mm-hmm. again, it's just you got to stay after them. I mean, here's the thing, yep. and my daddy taught me this about turkeys. They got to make a living between daylight and dark. Yep. And he's a turkey from daylight and dark. You know, 
and no, he's not as vocal during the middle of the day. And, and sometimes they get really fired up and gobble crazy during the middle of the day. But most of the time, you got to go become a turkey hunter and not a, a roost killer. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I've killed some, you know, between 10 o'clock and 1 o'clock, you know, or just before dark uh, in Kansas. So, but most of mine are within that first two hours of daylight. Because that's when most people focus on turkey hunting. Yeah, well, it's my favorite time. I love hearing the woods wake up. Oh, I do too. I mean, I, I'm even though I love to shoot a nine o'clock turkey, I'm not going to turn one down at seven o'clock. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I hear I'm, that. You know, but the thing is, I've just learned through the years that the bigger birds get killed midday. The bigger birds, and I learned that yep. from the old timers. That um, <clears throat> I grew up turkey hunting, helping my uncle and them in the morning milk cows and stuff. But we went hunting. Uh, we didn't even get out to the woods to 8.30 a lot of times. Right. So, you know, we're way past wake-up time, and that's another reason I learned how to hunt midday birds because we got there late a lot of times. But anytime's a good time to turkey hunt. I agree. What's your favorite way to eat turkey, Dan? Man, fried. Yeah. <laughs> fried. That's, I think that's what a lot of people do. I've seen some people roast them in the oven, you know, like a normal Thanksgiving turkey. But I, I cut mine up in the nuggets. I like turkey nuggets. I mean, I just love turkey nuggets. Yeah, my wife then, cooks good. As soon as they come out of grease, pour a little honey on them. Ooh. Oh, I ain't tried that, but I'm going oh, to yeah. now. Oh, yeah, batter them and fry them. As soon as they come out of grease, just drizzle them a little honey and try a bite of that. I will. I have noticed... When I killed my bird in Wyoming and I killed my bird in Kansas, Dad, that the meat tastes totally different Dad, than the eastern does. Sorry about that. No, you got a little help. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's all based on environmental of what they eat. Yeah. I, I really do. I mean, you take a corn a cornfield turkey up in the Midwest, the amount of on a wild turkey, they've got an enormous amount of fat compared to a a turkey in the south. I agree. Or a turkey out west in let's say West Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, turkey out in West Texas, he don't he don't have no fat on him. Right. But he's not good. Preseason with sage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a lot of, <laughs> yeah. My Wyoming bird had a real sagey taste to it. But I really enjoyed it. It was really good. You know, I I love hunting Miriams out in New Mexico. It's one of my favorite hunts on public land. Uh, been very, very successful out there. Uh, but they have a different taste. That's uh, a real rich. It don't have no, because they eat so many of them pinion pine uh, uh, acorns or whatever, or whatever, nuts, pinion pine nuts. Yeah. And they love them. Hey, Anthony, um, have we told Dan what we're sending a vet this year to go kill a turkey? Uh, actually, I got my info from Dan. Oh. Uh, yeah. So what did y'all we're do? Send, we're sending the vet to Mexico for a gold. Oh, that's awesome. Ain't yep. nothing wrong with that. I think that's fantastic. So for the yeah. vet who wins that, what can you tell him now that he can come back and look at this video and be like, okay, I need to do this when I go hunt that bird? When you go hunt a ghoul's turkey in Mexico and the Sierra Madres, yep. you can call a little bit more than normal. Uh, rent a shotgun. Don't try to take a shotgun into Mexico and or take a boat. Uh, they're big turkeys. I, I, I killed one down there. Uh, the last, actually, the last ghouls I killed weighed 29 pounds, which was a giant turkey. Damn. I'll, show, I'll send y'all a picture of that. I mean, that turkey was a monster. But you just work them like any other turkey. I mean, uh, yeah. They're fun turkeys to hunt because they're a little. They're they're kind of like a Rio. They're very vocal, right? And uh, just if you don't get ahead of them, he'll come back. <laughs> They'll come back. Most people, I think, chase ghouls turkeys too hard. Really? Yeah, I, I think people they they push them too much. You can, what do you, you think can about be patient the with a ghouls turkey and kill him. You really can. What do you think about the food down there? Depends on where you go. I love really? it. <laughs> yeah. I, I look forward to going. I've never been down there before. I can't wait for the day to go down there. Well, you ought to send yourself then. 
<laughs> no, I, I can't do that. Well, I'll tell you what, send me as a guide then, and I'll tell you how, <laughs> uh, you know. We'll, uh, I wish. i tell you what, maybe me and you should just go down there then. Let's go. I, yeah. I need to kill a couple more. I, I tell you, I've killed a lot of, I've killed several Royal Slams, but I hadn't got to the Yucatan to shoot my uh, World Slam yet, but that's where I need to go. Are you Even though take... you don't call the birds and all that because they're a different species of turkey, but I do need to go kill some so I can say I got a World Slam. Are you going to take your vertical crossbow? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, fin I'll finish my World Slam with my, my, my crossbow. That's awesome. Yep. Well, they, they shoot them out of the roost there. You know, um, most of them that I know, and they shoot them in Milo fields. Oh, that's cool. They shoot them in Milo fields because, I mean, it's down there. I mean, well, it's not baiting because they're hard. You know, they'll go out and harvest a bunch of Milo and then it's laying all over the ground or some kind of millet type you know stuff right. that they raise down there and then the turkeys just come fog it right a lot a couple of my friends that's gone down there they just actually went out in a fresh cut field they'd cut the field like a day or two ahead of time they get there they go out there before daylight set up a pop-up blind and they sit there and hear the turkeys come that's crazy i mean they just and they had video they were like 40 something tur turkeys walked into that field and then they're sitting there they're all got their binoculars trying to pick out the two inch spurs you know because those birds down there have incredible spurs right well before we get off this uh podcast let's let's talk a little bit out about old indian tricks you know let's let's talk about the rookum and uh well i the, wish i could come up with a turkey scent because if i could i'd be rich <laughs> <laughs> you'd be the richest man out there better you'd be richer than uh elon musk or jeff oh, Bezos. i don't know about that but i'd have at least two nickels to rub together we had a great year uh, a lot of success with, you know i measure our success as a company by the success people have with our products yeah a lot of people just you know had great success with the products uh we're fixing to start you know, it's the time of year that I like to refresh and get all the mock scrapes going again. So we're fixing to really push that and get try to educate people on how to run year round mock scrapes to get inventory to see what they, you know, still have on their property and just to follow their deer herd. And it's it's wow. a great it's a great tool to do that. And I love scouting deer. Matter of fact, two days ago, boy, I had a boo boo. I got to go back and video this uh, and tell them myself. I went, I walked into the woods and I set up a mock scrape where I've been wanting to go into the woods, got everything set up, put out my rubber juice, put out a little Seymour deers, went and set my camera up. Guess what I done? Left your batteries at home. Nope. Left the SIM card. Ah, I've done it. I've done it a hundred million times, man. So then I went back in there the next day to take a SIM card, right? Mm -hmm. And I go look at the scrape and guess what's in the scrape? Big old print. Oh. Bigger fresh track. deer tracks mm. so i mean you know no matter how good you get at something you're always gonna make mistakes and then now i don't know if it fell out of my pocket or i lost it i thought i had it with me but from now on i'll have about five or six extras with me so if i do carry a camera in somewhere i'm not forgetting it but no, in I the think. next 30 days uh with the exception of traveling to the uh, harrisburg show and nwtf i will get out start getting out a bunch of uh mock scrapes and then in march i'll really get them going so what day are you going to be at the nwtf show probably that thursday the opening day i got a uh, i got a meeting in nashville on wednesday uh the day ahead of the show then i'll do one day at the show and then i've got uh meetings afterwards that i gotta leave and go to awesome well you guys heard it so if you want to pick the mind of a, an incredible turkey hunter deer hunter be at the nwtf show thursday yep. i'll be walking around the show on thursday i i'm not gonna be hanging out in anybody's booth because i just want to try to go see the show myself and get around and see all my old buddies and right. talk to guys like preston and eddie and all those guys that's been in the industry with us you know a yeah. long time some of us been around at least a couple of weeks you know right well thank you so much dan for coming on today well we and thank y'all for having me and i just you know i just Man, if, if people want to kill turkeys on public land, just go scout. Just get out there and scout and just enjoy it. You know, too many people, oh, well, he got my spot and I got my spot. You know what I mean? I can't tell you how many times I've walked into the woods after somebody left my spot 
and shot a turkey. You know, right. and just and if they kill a turkey, guess what? Their name was on it. it, it, it there aren't my turkeys. There aren't your turkeys. There's everybody's turkeys. And just sometimes we'll get fortunate enough to pack, pack one yeah. over our shoulder. You know what I mean? I agree. I can't wait. Everybody have a great turkey season and just enjoy it. Yep. You too, Dan. All right, gentlemen. Get you back on great day. Thanks sir. for having me. Thank you, sir. You want to run through the sponsors real quick? Yeah. Great podcast, dude. I loved it. Appalachian Custom Calls, bed-owned uh, turkey call company out of East Tennessee. Uh, extremely affordable. If you're looking for a set of mouth calls, they're $6 each. Uh, pot calls are 40 uh, You get a vet discount, first responder discount. He's only making a set limited number of calls this year, so you need to get on and order them now. Don't wait until March or April, and he's already sold out of them. So try to try to get your calls now. To prepare for turkey season camo dust chris parnell super good guy uh if you're looking for a dry form of scent eliminator he's definitely the guy to go to matt Fute, uh vip broadheads we spoke about him earlier uh you know extremely sharp broadheads veteran-owned company out of texas he does do vet discounts if you're looking for a fixed cut uh but yet mechanical he's a super good guy you should check them out. Bryce Hensley, uh, Foxtrot Ammo. If you're looking for the top of the line, TSS shales, they're who to go with. Uh, you know, great patterns at longer distances. You can shoot deer with them, shoot hogs with them, or waterfowl, and they're deadly lethal on turkeys. Our uh, cuz, old Dan DeWitt right here from Old Indian Tricks LLC. Can't say enough about his product, man. Uh, the results speak for themselves. It's a synthetic scent. It's made to stay in the ground uh, for longer periods of time, whereas a natural-based urine scent is going to go away relatively quickly. Synthetic scent is going to stay in the ground longer. You're going to get pictures of big bucks, does, who knows what else, in your mock scrapes. Uh, or if you want to use a, like a Seymour deer, which is more of a, uh, a calming herd scent, I guess you could say. Uh, you know. Or his cooter juice. If you're coming up on the rut, put some cooter juice out there. Make a drag line. It's going to bring the deer in. Me and John can attest to it. We've seen it all bow season. Our muzzleloader and rifle season wasn't good, but that's because we're bad hunters, not because of the product. So thank you guys so much for coming on and watching our episode today. That's right. Episode 29 of Outdoors with MSA. Until next time. Y'all be cool. And check out our Facebook group, Military Sportsman of America. That's where we do all of our hunts. If you're a vet or first responder. <laughs>